And I am so glad to get to celebrate the birth of Christ here with you on this Lord's Day. What an opportunity that we have and what a joy it is to be together. Look out on your smiling faces. God has given us so many good things. And one of the good gifts that he's given us is one another. One another is one of God's greatest gifts to us. Well, grab your copy of God's word. Go with me to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. You know, as you think about your body, one of the most fascinating parts of the body has to be our eyes. Scientists tell us that our eyes are the second most complex organ in our entire body after our brain. Just one of our eyeballs has over two million working parts and more than one million nerve fibers connecting our eyes to our brain. Our eyes actually contain the fastest muscles in our body and each eye movement takes only 50 to 60 milliseconds. Did you know that your eyes can detect over 10 million different color hues and are capable of processing 36,000 pieces of information per hour? And if one of your eyes was a digital camera, it would be a 576 megapixel digital camera. In comparison, think about this. The best cameras in the world right now have only around 50 megapixels. So like I said, our eyes are fascinating. But don't you ever wish that our eyes could do just one more thing? Don't you just wish that your eye could just zoom in to see things really, really up close? I mean, look, I can see things, but don't you wish you could see them super magnified? Well, thankfully, we have the help of microscopes to help us to do that. And when the microscope magnifies the small things around us, our eyes see a whole new world. For instance, check this picture out. You look at that, you say, what is that? That's a strawberry magnified. That's a strawberry magnified. Pretty interesting, right? Well, how about this one right here? This is... some grains of salt I mean it looks like building blocks right that you might give to a kid to make and, and to build with but that, that that's that's table salt magnified remarkable how geometrically cubed that salt is how about this one this one is astounding right here y'all know what that is that that's butterfly eggs is what that is I mean it looks like something out of Russia or or maybe something that grows in your garden like a pumpkin or something like that but it's absolutely astounding amazing now i don't give you guys nightmares but <laughs> here is another thing magnified oh <laughs> now you might get one of these if you travel out of the united states that is a tapeworm <laughs> that's the head of a tapeworm now look man i, I could have done without seeing that amen i could have done without seeing that but finally here's one more for you this morning here's the head of an ant I mean that dude looks cool I, I knew they were cool but man that's radical right there when you look at that thing aren't you glad those things don't get any bigger than they do right well our eyes I wish they had the ability to magnify like that but here's the deal while our eyes can't do that our soul does the Bible tells us our soul can magnify things our heart and our mind magnifies things in fact a, a few months before that first Christmas day when Mary would give birth to Jesus with Joseph there 
in that Bethlehem cattle stall, Mary declared that she wanted to magnify the Lord. And here's what she's saying. She's saying, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now look, y'all, it's not like the Lord is small, right? Like that strawberry seed of those butterfly eggs. It's not that we need to put the Lord under a microscope to see him. No, God's very big, right? God is massive. He's everywhere all at once. He's unfathomably large in that regard. So it's not God who's actually small. It's our perception of him. Our perception of God is what's small. It's our perception of him that, that we, for whatever reason, we, we treat him as small and we don't realize how big he is. And in that regard, the Lord needs to be magnified. Our perception of him needs to grow to the point that it reaches the massive reality that he really is. Beloved, he's so much bigger than we give him credit for. Particularly as you think about what he, what, what he did at Christmas. We need to magnify the Lord. We need to magnify our perception of his greatness. We need to laud him and worship him in a fittingly enormous way. And Christmas is the perfect opportunity to do just that. So here's today's takeaway for you. Today's takeaway is this simple phrase, Christmas is your opportunity to magnify Jesus. Christmas is your opportunity to magnify Jesus. Now, look, it, it's really easy at Christmas to let other things be magnified above Jesus. I mean, it's a festive season, man. It's filled with all good things, all sorts of good things that our, our flesh enjoys. Right? Nothing wrong with these things, right? We enjoy these things, the, the decorations, the music, the movies, the food, the special events, that family time that you're going to enjoy or the, the presents that you have been opening or, or Santa Claus or, hey, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? It's so easy for these things to get magnified in the Christmas season above Christ. But never forget this, beloved, St. Nick worshiped Jesus, amen? He did, he did. But nevertheless, it's so easy. It's so easy to get wrapped up in all of the holiday season with what it fills our eyes and our ears and our mouth and our nose and our hands. But don't forget about your soul. Don't forget about your soul. Your soul needs to be filled this holiday season. Jesus, in order to do that, then must be magnified above the fleshly goodies of the holiday. Jesus must increase and all these other things must decrease. I hope I never forget what my 14-year-old Eli said back when he was five years old. He was always surprisingly thoughtful as a child. He was, he was very serious about the things of the Lord even back in those days. And just a few days before Christmas back in 2013, he said something in a five-year-old way that every Christian at Christmas needs to hear. He said, I recorded it on Facebook, so it popped up the other day. <laughs> it said, Daddy, this is what Eli said, Daddy, even if the Grinch stole all my presents, I'd still have a happy Christmas because it's really about Jesus. Amen. Amen, man. I'm thankful for the food. I'm thankful for the family. 
I'm thankful for the decorations, the presents, all the trappings of the Christmas season. But beloved, if none of that were here today, you could still have a happy Christmas if you have Jesus because it's really all about him. So I say to you this morning, church, make it all about him. Make it all about him. Make him the center of your Christmas. Christmas is your opportunity to magnify Jesus. But what specifically makes Jesus worthy of being magnified? Well, Virgin Mary here, the mother of Jesus, she helps us here in Luke 1 with her song. The angel Gabriel had already visited her at this point, told her what God was about to do in her and through her. The Holy Spirit had already overshadowed her. She was already pregnant with Jesus. He had already been conceived in her womb. She'd already went to visit her, her relative Elizabeth who was miraculously pregnant as well with John the Baptist. And Elizabeth had already had her son John, who would be called John the Baptist, had already leapt in her womb when Mary walked in with Jesus in her womb and, and Elizabeth began to speak a blessing over her, a Holy Spirit-filled blessing. And all of this caused Mary to begin to sing to the Lord. And her song helps you and me to understand why Jesus is worthy of being magnified this Christmas. So I want to invite you to honor the reading of God's word by standing with me this morning. We're going to take verse 46 and read down through the 55th verse. This is Mary's song. Some call it the Magnificat. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his offspring forever let's pray so father we ask you as we hear Mary's song God I pray that you would just begin to just solidify in our hearts specific ways that we can magnify Christ in this Christmas season God we've already been doing it I believe right I mean Christmas began two months ago for a lot of us Lord but today we come to the culmination Christmas Day. And I pray, Father, that our hearts will be made merry in Him. And by doing so, God, He will be magnified. Father, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice today who's never turned from sin and, and trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day with the, with the preaching of Your Word and the witness of this body of believers here in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Would today be the day on Christmas Day? that they would turn from sin and trust in Jesus and be saved. Father, we pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, well, amen. Well, grab your seat there. Mary here in her song, she points us to three things here, three things, three reasons that Jesus is worthy of being magnified. 
First, Christmas is your opportunity to magnify Jesus for the mercy shown in him. Look at verse 50. Focus in on verse 50 there for a moment. Mary focuses in on God's mercy. She says, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, beloved, how would you define mercy? Here's how I would do it. I would define mercy as not getting that bad thing that I deserve. Not getting that bad thing that I deserve. That's mercy. And let's be real this morning. You and I deserve some bad things. I don't know if anybody got a lump of coal in their stocking, okay? I don't know if you were that bad. But nevertheless, you and I deserve some bad things. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you and I are sinners, the Bible tells us. And the wages of sin is death. And not just stone cold death in the ground where you cease to exist. No, the Bible tells us that it's a living death in hell where you'll die every second paying for your sin, but never pass out of existence. That's the bad thing that you and I deserve. But bless God this morning. In Jesus Christ, you and I have been offered mercy, right? That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the mercy that's been given us. And, and Christmas itself hones in on one of the most important aspects of this offer of mercy, and that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. You see, at Christmas, we focus in on the fact that the eternal Son of God, God the Son, Jesus, took on flesh, dwelt among us. He added humanity to his divinity. And this is very important concerning the offer of mercy because it was through the sacrifice of his body that our sins are forgiven. You see, beloved, God is holy. He's holy, the Bible tells us. Therefore, sin must be punished. He, he can't just overlook it. It's got to be paid for. And God in Jesus Christ did a marvelous thing. He took on flesh, dwelt among us. He, he took in that flesh and in his flesh, he, he bore the punishment for our sins. He was condemned for us instead of us. And God poured out his wrath for our sins on Jesus And because Jesus received the justice of God, we can experience the mercy of God. Every person who will fear the wrath of God and run to Jesus in faith and love will receive the mercy of God and will be saved. Do you need that this morning? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, do you hear what I'm saying here? God's offering you mercy. He's offering to give you what you don't deserve. Would you receive Christ? Would you turn from sin and trust in Christ? Beloved, this is infinitely worthy of being magnified because greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus came to do at Christmas. You say, I thought that was Easter. Christmas is the prelude to Easter. If there's no Christmas, there's no Easter. He took on flesh so he may lay down his life for you and for me so that we could receive the mercy of God. And so magnify Jesus this Christmas for the mercy shown in him. Second this morning, I want to point you 
to the opportunity, this opportunity here. Christmas is your opportunity to magnify Jesus for the blessing to the humble and needy by him. For the blessing to the humble and needy by him. You see, here in the text, Mary's astounded. She can't believe what God's gonna do in her and through her, bearing and birthing the Son of God. And so she, with great joy, remarks there in verse 48 and 49, for the Lord has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Honestly, as you look at Mary, there wasn't anything special about her. Yeah, there was some lineage, right? She had some lineage that, that went back to the, to the tribe of Judah. But she was an ordinary girl. She was a sinner in need of a savior. The very savior she was carrying in her womb, she needed just like you and me. And yet here's God doing something world-changing through her. Beloved, I, I want to remind you this morning, never forget that, that God loves to take something ordinary and do extraordinary things with it. Nevertheless, Mary was humble. Mary was needy, just like you and me. And God sent Jesus to bless her. As she said, she said, all the generations would call her blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for her. I wonder this morning, is that your testimony? That God has done great things for you? Right? Can all generations rise up and call you blessed? He certainly can because God, who is mighty, has done great things for you in Jesus Christ. You who are truly humble, whether you realize it or not, you're actually humble. And those of you who are truly needy, whether you realize it or not, you're needy. God has, grunt, God has done great things for you. And by Jesus, you have been blessed. And here's the cool thing. He's going to do a lot more. He's going to do a lot more for you. Look at verse 51 through 53. The Bible says here is Mary is singing about God, uh, about, about the Savior. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Guys, God did all of these things in Mary's life and the life of Israel. And he has done and will do these same things in your life. He will do these things in your life. He'll show the strength of his mighty arm. He'll topple kings. He'll raise up the lowly. He will fill you with what you're starving for. To him who has not, he gives exceedingly. Beloved, these are the blessings that you and I are given in Christ. And so magnify Jesus for these Christmas blessings, right? That, 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 that the blessing, that God has blessed the humble and the needy by him. We could just say the blessing to me and to you, we are the humble and the needy. And finally this Christmas, guys, is your opportunity to magnify Jesus for God keeping his promises through him. I know that you've got your Bible and you've got the Old Testament in the front and you've got the New Testament in the back. And that's what we call it. We call it the Old and the New Testament. But you know what you could call it? You could call it promises given 
and promises kept. Promises made and promises delivered on. And that's what we see here all throughout the scripture. But look specifically here at verse 54 and verse 55. Particularly, Mary mentions the promise that is made to Abraham. He has helped, she says, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So what is this promise to Abraham? Well, we find it first in Genesis 12, verse two and three, where God tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I'll curse and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But then we see it amplified just a few chapters later. Genesis 22, verse 17 and 18. God says, I will surely bless you, Abraham. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. So God tells Abraham, you will be my people. I will bless you. And through your offspring or seed, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. Well, how's he going to do that? How would God keep his promise? And the answer is, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is how God would keep this promise, this seed, this offspring that, that, that they're talked about here. That's Jesus. The book of Galatians confirms this. Galatians 3.16 says, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is who, church? Christ. Everybody say, Christ. That's right. So by giving us the gift of Christ, he has blessed all the peoples of the earth. We say this all the time in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. We can say it this way. For God so blessed all the peoples of the earth that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Or maybe if you go to the Great Commission, right? That's where we usually think about this worldwide mission to go and seek and save the lost all over planet earth. Jesus said there in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We could say it this way. Go therefore and bless all the peoples of the earth. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Beloved, that's how God's promise to Abraham has been kept. It's been kept through Jesus Christ. And every Christmas is a reminder that God is a promise-keeping God. So I say to you this morning, magnify Jesus this Christmas for God keeping his promises through him. Beloved, Mary was ready 
She was ready to magnify Jesus in that first Christmas. And so I wonder for you this morning, 2,000 some Christmases later, are you ready today to magnify Jesus? Now, earlier I showed you pictures that had been put under a microscope. That's one way of magnifying something, right? You take, again, you take something small and you blow it up much bigger than it actually is. But there's another instrument that we use to magnify things. And that's the telescope. The telescope, the microscope takes things that are really small and makes them look really big, but, but telescopes take things that are really big and makes them begin to look big to us. When Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord, she's declaring that she wants to be a telescope for God. So beloved, that's what we're called to be. Today, when you go and meet with your family and friends and when you visit over the next coming days and, and even into the new year, be a telescope for Christ. Magnify the Lord. Help those around you see how big and how beautiful and how glorious he really is. Christmas is a wonderful opportunity to do that. Magnify the Lord today. Here's my final prayer as David comes back up with the praise team to lead us in a couple more carols. May your celebrations elevate Jesus above all else so that your Christmas is truly a Christmas.